Well, good morning and a welcome to each one. I guess today we've reached the uh, last of the locked hearts. And uh, for me, it's been quite the journey. And uh, it's been good for me. In one way, I'm kind of excited that it's over. Um, I've encountered quite a few battles, struggles. Um, Satan just doesn't give up. But praise the Lord, he's helped me through each one. Satan may come being mighty, but our Lord Jesus Christ is alive and he's almighty. We don't have to go down in despair. But we, we don't have to enjoy, may I say that, we don't have to enjoy every part of life. But if his, if his spirit is witnessing with my spirit, that's where that peace comes in. We can be in the midst of this terrible storm. And that's what we can rest on. That we are a child of God. We are his son. That's why, that's why we don't go down in his spirit. That's what keeps us there. Is his spirit witnessing with our spirit. And it keeps us alive. And it's been worth the journey. I trust, hope and trust that it has made a difference and will continue to make a difference on how we see people, maybe approach people, how we treat people. Um, hopefully, this has equipped all of us that we can truly care for the heart from the heart. So we'll continue. Description of the judgmental locked heart. They feel the need to correct others. They see everything black and white and are very quick to criticize, judge, or attack others. They are very objective, dominant, hostile, and very self-disciplined. They focus on judgment without mercy. You see, rules are more important than the people are. They focus on external standards. Now that's not saying we shouldn't have safe perimeters. But that shouldn't be our focus. God gives us safe perimeters that we should be in. That's what his, let's say the Ten Commandments are. It's for our benefit. Okay, the causes. What causes it? One could be we're involved in a rules-oriented church or school or wherever that rules are enforced without a relationship. People don't like to be constantly judged and criticized. 
You know, when we do this to someone, their heart locks. Walls go up. Then they're unable to respond. And then they're criticized some more. Another may be being raised in a home where approval is based on their performance. We as parents must constantly look for ways that we can bless, honor our children. There's nothing wrong with having high standards or high expectations for them, not for too long, but maybe as they're coming up to that, rather than bringing out the failures that they haven't achieved, bring out how they're doing better to encourage them. Even in times of disobedience or rebellion, we can encourage them in a positive way. It may be like this. I know that you're living in a disobedience or rebellion right now, and that is not acceptable to me. We can tell them it's not acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to know that I believe in you and that someday, if you allow God, you're going to be the most godly woman or man. You're going to be on fire for him. I'm not giving up on you. I believe in you. That's affirming them. Rather than crushing them where they're at, try to draw them out. I also want you to know that regardless of what you do, you will always be my son or daughter, and I will always love you. That's accepting them. Not for what they are, but who they are. Now, in that, you've affirmed them and accepted them, but yet they know you ha you're not accepting their rebellion or disobedience. Consequences. Relationship will be based on conf conforming to standards. Until you conform to the standards they have, you can't have a relationship with them. And acceptance will be based on performance. They'll accept you once you perform to their expectation. And they view their relationship with God in the same way. They feel they'll have to live in a certain way before he can accept them. Rather than believing the truth that God accepts us where we're at. And then he woos us, he draws us to that higher ground. And I hope that you can trust us as leaders, as a leadership, 
that we accept you for who you are, not what you are. And if you can't trust us, you're not failing, we are. We're not doing something right if you can't trust us. Because we are to accept you for who you are and then teach and encourage you to become what God wants you to be. You know, and all this is balance. You know, when there is the evidence that they are not walking with the Lord, they should be regarded as an unbeliever and therefore they should not be permitted to participate in the blessings and the benefits of the Christian assembly. And really, that's really what the term um, excommunication would mean. We no longer have that common union with them. It's, they can't participate in that blessing because they're not walking with the Lord. Because there needs to be this oneness. Paul writes, your glorying is not good. This was fornication happening. Do you not know that the little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. There's no reason that we need to live in that condition. Leaven means ferment or is rottenness. And uh, so in today's term, maybe we're not so much of a baker, but don't you know that a rotten apple will finally spoil the whole bushel? Maybe that's something the children can understand, is if we have a rotten apple in that bushel, we don't take that out of there, the whole bushel is going to spoil. And that's what Paul is actually teaching. And see, another illustration may be, let's say I would have an infection in my hand and it would cause my hand to die. There's no longer life there. If the doctor would not amputate that hand, it would affect the whole body and finally it would kill me. That's kind of the same picture. You know, we're all one body. We're all members of one body. But if there's one that has died, we must first do all we can to bring life, to get rid of that infection. If that fails, Matthew 18, first one goes, then there's another witnesses go, then we bring it to the church. And if they fail to repent, that's where there's all this has to be in a balance. And so many times this has failed. You know, if we try to keep the church pure and holy by our own standards, we're going to become critical and judgmental. And that's where it has failed so many times. And that's sad. Very sad. 
then I'm, I'm the first to tell you that should not once be named among us. Not once should that be named among godly Christ-following Christians. That's wrong. And it's happened so many times, thus causing a locked heart. Many times they'll never fully trust leadership again. So how to resolve? The judgmental locked heart is resolve pride. I had previously covered that. Pride caused us to not be able to submit to authority. Resolve bitterness. If people have been critical and judgmental about us, we will resent them, which causes, and the resentment leads to the bitterness. Then resolve hypocrisy. That I have not covered yet, so I will go into that today. First of all, hypocrisy. What is it? It's pretending something on the outside that is not real on the inside. A hypocrite is a double person. They project an outward image altogether differently from their true self, revealing only what they want others to see. James writes in his first chapter, is a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in James 4, later, purify your hearts, you double-minded. One way we practice hypocrisy is through saying one thing with our lips, but believing something differently in our hearts. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And sad to say, that was me. At one time, that was me. Isn't it great that God is so patient with us? He just keeps drawing, just keeps drawing. When I would have probably long had given up on myself. And he continues to keep drawing. The love of God. Hypocrisy prevents openness with others. <clears throat> a person who portrays one's personality outwardly while hiding the true identity can never be open to others. They're always hiding something. There's a part of oneself that is not being shared, therefore they always have something to hide. They can't, they can't open themselves because they're afraid this truth will be revealed. In reality, is living a lie. That was me. I was so depressed that I was suicidal. That one morning was the worst morning. 
and my coworkers, the ones who were working with me, found out later how I was feeling. They said they'd never noticed. I was just as normal as could be. That's a hypocrite. That was me. It's a shame to say that's where I was, but that's where I was. I was good at it. I've said already, I was a, I was a professional hip hypocrite. But there's one thing we must understand, that the truth will someday come to light. We must be genuine in our hearts. Jesus said that someday everything will be exposed for what it is. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they, were, that they trampled on one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have spoken in the ear in inner room will be proclaimed on the housetops. The truth may be hidden for a while, but it does it will come to the light. It's okay. Resolving resolving hypocrisy. Here's a sample prayer. Lord, I recognize that I have been, I have not been honest in my relationship with you and others. I have pretended outwardly to be what is not true in my heart. Lord, I choose to be totally honest with you and to acknowledge each area of my hypocrisy. I confess my weaknesses and humble myself before you. I also choose to be honest and open with others, admitting my faults and being transparent with them. Open my heart that I may be completely honest. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's the prayer to pray. And then, here's a list. And, by the way, you don't have to be, if you're writing, I've got the list. You don't have to be writing them if you, if you desire it. Pretending to obey, obey parents while being inwardly rebellious. Criticizing, criticizing others' failures when my spiritual problems are similar. Pretending to care for others while being bitter, resentful, and angry. Saying one thing with my lips outwardly, but thinking differently in my heart. Saying I love someone when it, in reality I really hate them. Only telling the things about myself that I want others to know instead of what, I, what is true. Being afraid of what others would think if they knew what I was like on the inside. Projecting myself as having it all together, no problems, out of fear of rejection from others. That was a big one for me. Dishonestly, dishonesty in sharing my weakness with others for fear of being rejected. Lying about things that happen to cover up what I do. Lying to gain the acceptance of others. Identifying the problems that others have but not seeing my own. Asking others to do things I am unwilling to do. 
Now it's also, that was toward others. Now it's toward God. Pretending to be close to God when, my, when not desiring or enjoying a relationship with him. Practicing religious activity to be seen and praised by men. Pretending to be excited about fellowship with other believers when in reality only wanting to impress them with my spirituality. Giving money to gain praise of men. Praying to impress others with my spirituality. I had shared a little about that in my last message as far as when we're praying to God. Do we pray as if he's sitting right in front of us? That we're talking directly to them, to him. Is that how we're praying? Then I got a new vision in my mind on what Jesus was saying about going into your closet and praying to God in the secret. That doesn't literally mean you have to be by yourself. I can be right here in front of you in my closet as if you're not here, I'm talking to God. I think that's what he wants. So I'm not praying or preaching to impress you. I think that's what he really wants. Because after all, I'm not praying to you. I'm praying to God. I should forget about you. Be in my closet. I don't even see you. And I'm praying to God because that's the one I'm talking to. Is that how we pray? Because if that's how we pray, he'll reward us openly. It's a promise. He's promised it. It's happened. Waiting for us. Fasting to impress others with my spirituality. Pretending to be excited about service for the Lord when merely doing it out of obligation. Pretending to live a holy life, but inwardly wishing I didn't have to. Pretending to be a spiritual person person when I'm really not. Saying I love God, but not obeying what he commands in his word. Saying I have an intimate relationship with God, but seldom seeking him in prayer. Obeying God because of fear of what others will think of me. And making spiritual decisions based on others' expectations of me. If we're not careful, others can become our God, an idol. When we're more concerned about what you think than what I think God thinks. The fear of man, Satan's tool. Moral hypocrisy is pretending to have pure moral thoughts while yielding to lustful thoughts. Telling my spouse I am morally pure when being unfaithful in desires, thoughts, or actions. So pray through each area of this. Whatever you would check. Lord, I acknowledge and renounce my hypocrisy as evidence through my whatever line it was. I ask your forgiveness for my hypocrisy and choose to respond with openness truthfulness, and honesty from my heart. The exciting part, the result. Their relationship with God will become more intimate. People will become more important than performance. They will be more accepting of their own and others' failures. 
By the way, pride can also keep us from doing that. And they will be able to love and accept people right where they're at. You see, if we do it God's way, it always works. So, okay, how do you know this is God's way? Let's go back in prophecy of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5, 6, and 12. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thank you, Jesus. He fulfilled it. Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus actually read then in the synagogue. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Satan's bondage. He opens those doors. He cuts those chains. You know, that reminds me when uh, I was working through all my things and I had been so immoral. Then we had prayed to ask if this was generational. And then on the one, like mom's side was a rope, but on dad's side there was a chain. I had a double generational. But when I prayed that God would break that generational, the buck stops here. No more. It's not going to go into my children. I saw the chain drop, cut in half. That's our God. And only he can do it. We can't do it on our own. And I will show mercy to the thousands. Let's be faithful so he can show mercy. Because we love him. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. See, Jesus came to do all of this. And when we are walking in Christ, and he is, like for me, I can't bring glory to myself. It's all to the Lord. It's his work. It's not mine. And it's not yours. It's just what he does if we accept it. 
that he may be glorified. So in closing, I want to challenge each one with an expectation. You see, with the tools that God has given us that are available, I expect that we will love each one that comes through those doors, regardless how it looks, smells, acts. We are called to love them where they're at and then help them lift the feeble, bring them up to where they need to be then. Because if we're stiff-necked, how are we going to help? We have the tools. My expectation, expectation is we use them. We lift the feeble by caring for their heart and encourage them to higher ground. Not falsely either. When someone is hurting, they know they're hurting. Let's not pretend they're not hurting. And one thing I hope we'll never hear about us here, this congregation, that we slaughter our own sheep. There are some that do. Let me illustrate a little bit. So many people talk about others behind their backs, slandering, whatever you want to call it, gossiping. When we're doing that, we are slicing and dicing them. Let's get that picture. We're slaughtering them. We're slicing and dicing them. We're not caring for that heart. We're tearing them down. Then if that's not enough, sometimes we grind them yet to a fine powder. Just crush them. Trample them. As a child of God, that ought not to be so, ever, ever. And it's such a snare to get into. It's a habit. We start looking for things that we can talk about with another person. And finally, we, we enjoy getting together just so we can hash things out. That's wrong. We're slaughtering our own sheep when we should be caring for that heart, understanding why is that person the way he is. There's something driving that, something. It may be their own will, but it may be something that has happened. And maybe you are the one that pushed that button to begin with. Is that showing Christ's love if we do that? Is that giving our life for them? 
Is that caring for their heart? Because let's look at what Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you should also love one another. Are we doing things, are we acting against people or saying things that you would know Jesus would never say about you or others? Because we are called to love as I have loved you. That was just a, an enlightenment as I came across that this weekend. It never caught my attention as I, as I have loved you. You may think, well, duh, Laverne, I mean, but that, it wasn't. It, it was just like it was highlighted. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. That's how they'll know. And that is also how we'll draw others to Christ. Because God's love, Christ's love in us, flowing out of us, is like a magnet. They want it. There's a peace that flows with that living water that it draws. So in all this, I hope we've gained some nuggets, some tools in our toolbox for life so that we can help, encourage. See, there's something that's been on my mind. I don't know if I'll ever go there, but it's the one another's. Just love one another, encourage one another. Just there's numerous one another's that were exhort one another and all those just kind of wanting to look into that. What is all that? But you know, God showed me, well, this has to come first before you can even do that. Before you can truly love one another, your heart must be pure. And before you can really encourage someone, you must understand where they're at. How can you encourage someone if you don't understand? You can give encouraging words. I, don't take it as, don't even try to encourage you if you just don't understand them. You, we can give them encouragement. But really walking with them and helping them out of that pit, of that valley, of that whatever, we must understand to really encourage them. And we always like the mountaintops. But did you know that if it wouldn't be for the valleys, there would be no mountains? It takes both, and it brings beauty. The valleys are beautiful, and the mountaintops are beautiful. Rest assured, if we're in the valley, God is there. Just the same God that's on the mountaintop is the same God that's in the valley. That's what makes it so beautiful. And if we wouldn't have the valleys, we wouldn't enjoy the mountaintops as much.
rather than having a, another message after saying in closing, I better sign off. So I hope everyone has been blessed with this series. I, I trust, I say this series, and it's not my series, it was God working. Because just Friday night, I was almost getting anxious. My wife gave me a back rub then. It was just, I said, honey, I'm empty. I'm empty. I have no clue where I'm going to be going. I, I just don't know. But praise the Lord. The plate was full last night. So praise him. It's not me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Oh, you are so faithful. When I should know, I should, should not get anxious. But yet at times I do. Help thou mine unbelief. Because you are faithful. Faithful as he who calls and also would do it. So may we trust in that, Lord. In everything that you call us to, that God plus one, it always works. So Father, I just pray that you would bless each one here. Lord, we've been through the 12 different hearts where there may have been locks. Lord, I trust that you will unlock those hearts. That those hearts will be free to give and receive love as you've created them to do. Do your mighty work, Lord. For every heart, Lord, that is hurting, that has been hurt, or maybe they're in the valley, Jesus, could you just right now hold that heart? Just caress it, care for it. Pour out your love upon that heart. And that your peace may rest upon that heart. Your perfect peace. Lord, empower us by your spirit that each one of us can go forth caring for others' hearts. Empower us, Lord. It's only by you that we can do it. Give us that true understanding in our hearts that it becomes real to us, that it becomes our lifestyle. That others may know that we are your disciple because of that sacrificial love that you have for us, we have for others. Lord, I just pray that you would bless your word and that it would not come back void. 
but that it would accomplish the purpose that you have purposed it. We are only the vessels for you to work through. So do your mighty work, Lord. We trust you in everything. Bless each one. Protect us, Lord, from the evil one who wants to destroy our hearts. Would you build us up? Make us mighty warriors for you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.